good morning again to you all. Uh, so Brené Brown, I, I've, I've definitely talked to her about her before to you all. And so if you are not aware of who she is or if you've never looked up any of her books, do so. <laughs> you, will, you will thank me. Um, she has one of the most downloaded TED Talks um, out there. Um, it, I can't even think of how many hits it's been downloaded, but, um, and it's on shame and, and what shame does to us. And um, I, just, I just wanted to share that just short piece with you because I think one of the things that she said re- relates so much to what we're talking about this morning. And she said, God is in our desperate need just as much as he is in our generous giving. And when you turn away from need, even if, if it be your own need, that it's actually ungodly. Um, and so we are to look at need kind of straight in the face, whether it is in our own life or it is in the people that we're surrounded by, because that's what we're called to do. And we're going to talk about that today. But on a lighter note, as we move into the story, I want to ask you guys just to think about something with me. Um, How many of you find it absolutely exhausting to be around someone who just does not know what they need? And let me explain. Like, you say to them, hey, how you doing? Or what's going on with you? Or where do you want to go for dinner? And it's like nine times out of the ten, it's, um, I don't know. I'm good with whatever you want to do. Um, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, things are great. I'm great. I'm really great. Like, has that, has, I'm describing like so many of us in here. I'm describing myself. So um, I know that some of you can relate to that, or maybe someone in your life is, is giving you that kind of response. I think that these phrases kind of helped guide me as I was growing up. Um, I was the middle child, and that was just kind of what you did because you wanted to kind of keep the peace and make the house kind of go in the right direction and not cause any troubles or any scenes. Uh, but, but who knows what actually happens to the person that says they don't care? Does anybody know what happens? I'm going to tell you. Um, They're going to get upset with you because they're going to assume that you should know what what they're thinking, like you should read their mind, right? So you you say, I I thought you said you didn't care because they're obviously like something's wrong. And then they persist and they say, no, I'm fine. And then you say again, but it seems like you're not. And they say, well, I am. And secretly, that person doesn't want you to know that because they didn't know what they needed, they're really mad because you didn't know how to read their mind and just know exactly what it was, right? I've basically just described like 95% of all marriages, right? Um, You know, this is what we do. I mean, how many arguments have we gotten into? Or do you ever wonder how many arguments take place over the very simple question, what do you want to do for dinner? You know, like, it, these are things that we, we have a hard time communicating. Um, a couple years ago, ironically, on Mother's Day, I was taken out to Outback Steakhouse, and I don't, I don't eat meat. <laughs> and so this is exactly why, because I didn't speak up, I didn't say, I just said, oh yeah, that's fine. And I ended up eating, like, a side of broccoli and a sweet potato plain. That's what I had at Outback Steakhouse. So... All that to say, kind of a funny and a lighthearted way for us to think about a very hard-to-navigate topic because it's really hard often for us to actually ask for what we need. In learning to acknowledge what we need, our great needs, our painful needs, our personal needs, our small needs, and learning to acknowledge them and come before God and to ask him for what we need. This is incredibly hard to do. Human to human, we struggle here because if I say out loud to you what I need, that might seem selfish. 
or maybe it appears bossy because I'm telling you that I don't want to do this, but I need this from you. And so we end up pushing those aside because we want to kind of please those around us or keep the peace, and we often end up compromising who we are and what's actually going on inside of us. And does the same hesitation translate in how you or I may approach God? Are we afraid to bring our needs before him because they're too much or not enough? There are times when I'm hesitant to say to God what I'm actually needing because if I say it, then I'm acknowledging it's true, right? If I say to God, I need you to help me with this relationship, it's me admitting that this relationship is broken. If I say to God, I need you to come and help me with my anxiety, I'm therefore saying and acknowledging that I struggle with anxiety. If I say to God, I I need you to come into my house to help me with my family and my marriage, I'm therefore admitting that my family needs help. We certainly do not live in a world that it is easy to ask for what we need. Because if we really asked, how would that make us look? Broken? Incomplete? Desperate? Weak? As we continue on in our series, we've been walking through the series called Telling God's Story by Peter Enns. And we will be looking at more of these miracles that we've discussed over the last couple weeks that Jesus performed And miracles are truly this ultimate picture of how he knows to come exactly where we need him. And our miracle story today actually brings us three very different people. And each of them have very different but very great needs. And what we can observe about Jesus is that he is not particular about who he chooses and what he chooses to meet. In fact, he intentionally shows us in this story today that all the needs matter to him. And not only does he see them and acknowledge them, but he is everything that they need him to be. So we're going to pick up our story in Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read about three different people and three different needs and see how Jesus comes to meet them. So if you're following along, the words will be on the screen, but we're turning to Matthew chapter 8 and reading verses 1 through 15. So when he came down from the mountainside, so what, what we've just come through, Jesus has just finished the, the, serm, the Sermon on the Mount, which we know is kind of a famous um, teaching time of his where he's really gone through a lot of different angles of what faith is and how to practically live it out. So this is the Sermon of the Mount. And so when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds of people followed him. And a man with leprosy came, before, came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What's really amazing about what just happens is that the reason why Jesus says, don't go tell people and go straight to the priest because that's exactly what would happen for him to be restored into community. So Jesus like beelines to what's most important because he recognizes the need for community. And this man had been outcast for so long that he did not have that. 
So he says, go and present yourself to the priest and offer this so that he can be able to see and, to, and it can be a testimony that you are healed and you are clean. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell you this one, go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus says to the man, the centurion, go, and it will be done just as as you believed it would. And his servant was healed in that very hour. And when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and she began to wait on him. So Jesus had just come down from the mountainside, what we know as the Sermon of the Mount. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were following him. And as he comes down with these large, large crowds following him, he performs three very different miracles, but he was sending a message for the people that were around him. You see, Jesus has enough compassion for the outcast, which is the leper, the unclean, removed from society, shunned by community and family. And he has enough, enough authority for the outsider to include the soldier, the centurion who was outside the faith. He was a Gentile. And then he has enough tenderness for the insider, those close to him, Peter's mom, mother-in-law. He sees that she has a need and he responds. He spends these lengthy moments uh, teaching the how-tos of faith and lessons of how we should live. His famous sermon covers loving your enemies, giving to the poor, storing up treasures in heaven, not worrying over tomorrow, building your life on a firm foundation. And yet, it is his practice put into action that shows us that there is not one need that we carry that goes lost on him because he sees them all. And he puts on display firsthand as he shows this crowd exactly who he came to meet. And it is here we see that all people are Jesus's people, right? That he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't put one need above another. He doesn't pick and choose, but he comes for all and to all people. He first meets the needs of the out, the need of the outcast here. So the lepers, this community of people would be have have been kept away from the general population for a, a long time. You know, they were compelled to warn others away from their sickness, their their infirmity because of very good reason. You know, this was a disease or at the time that it spread rapidly, um, highly contagious. 
you know, spread through contact, indirect through items that you could have on your clothing or, or bedding or whatever. And we actually, if you, if you have, you know, just some spare time this week, in the book of Leviticus, you can read these very lengthy, um, you know, just laws, hygienic laws that God gives the Jews, like in response to people with leprosy. Um, I know you guys are going to do that for your Sunday afternoon reading, but it's chapters 13 and 14 if you want to take a look at um, and so lepr- leprosy was viewed as really this result of, some, of a curse or some great hidden sin. So it is important to make note of some things in this story. This leper came to Jesus and he knelt before him. And, and this would never happen. And the crowds that were so close and that were gathered around, um, we don't know if this man announced that he was unclean, but he approaches Jesus and he asked directly to him for what he needed. So he's bold, and he's taking this huge risk, and this man really could have been killed on the spot. And we should assume that the crowd that was surrounding Jesus would be very skeptical and uncomfortable and have a lot of conflicting feelings with this man approaching Jesus as he did. He would have been viewed as the most despicable of all kind in society, not worthy of life or even the basic needs of humanity. And not a family member would even acknowledge that he had existed. But he came, and Jesus finds his need valuable. He comes before him, he takes the risk, and in his desperate state, he says, if you would be willing, Lord, would you make me clean? And to the amazement and the shock of this crowd, Jesus makes the outcast whole, and he restores his dignity He reestablishes his position in society by telling him to go to the priest as proof that he is clean, therefore allowing him to re-enter into community and the family that he has lost. The needs of even the most despised in society are valuable to Jesus. Those who have been shunned and perhaps do not seem or appear to be valuable to you and I Jesus publicly and with high levels of controversy as he does, he does his best to meet this man exactly where he needs him most. And he goes to the outcast and he adds value. And then we see the story continue. And so the next person that he encounters is a true outsider, the centurion soldier. He is an, an officer in the Roman army. He's a Gentile not associating with the Jews. They were not taught to value one another. The Gentiles were viewed by the Jews as outsiders of the faith. They were not the chosen. They were not the beloved. They were not seen as important people of God. So there definitely would have been tension, especially because the soldier, this Roman soldier at the time would would have been ruling the homeland of Jesus Perhaps this could be seen as an oppression or, you know, just that authority that was was opposite of these people. So it would be unlikely and it would be very uncomfortable for Jesus to have an interaction with him, especially as these crowds were watching. Why would Jesus give him this time or attention? He was outside the faith and his position of power was not seen as something valuable. To these people. And so Jesus, he begins to interact with him and he acknowledges his great faith and actually praises his faith above people that are his own. He says, I have not seen 
this great of faith in all of Israel. And the soldier makes his need known to Jesus, and Jesus agrees to go and heal his servant. But the, the centurion, in fact, trusts that Jesus would keep his word and just do exactly what he said he would do and heal the man. Now, a soldier in this position, a leader, he's probably somebody that didn't take a lot of time asking for help. He was a man in charge of great things and of many people, and he probably didn't have much direct experience with Jesus. But he knew that he could expect Jesus to pay attention to his need. And that speaks volumes about who Jesus was and how he communicated his love for the world. Jesus could have said no. And in fact, the soldier had no idea what he would choose to say. But there are times where we risk our reputation, rejection, risk being told no, all in order to state exactly what we need before God and invite him to be a part of where we we need him most. Have you ever trusted God outside where you were comfortable? Have you ever gotten an answer that was not what you had asked, but it was absolutely what you needed? The soldier was an outsider of the faith in every sense of the way. But Jesus made sure to acknowledge his need and to take the time to care for him. And he says to him, go, and it will be done just as you believed that it would. And it was. In that moment, his servant was healed. So Jesus comes and he reaches out to the outcast and he reaches out to the outsider And immediately following, we read the story that he comes and he enters Peter's home. So Peter was close to Jesus. This would be like family to him, okay? A close personal friend, a disciple, a follower. And he comes and he notices that Peter's mother-in-law is lying and she's sick. She's in bed. She has a fever. Peter wasn't asking Jesus to heal her. And his mother-in-law wasn't asking to be healed, but Jesus takes notice of this need that's right in front of him. You know, Peter's home would have perhaps been an anticipated rest for all the work that he had just done, a place to catch his breath, a place to recline at the table over food and, and be among the people that he was closest to. But Jesus has tenderness in this moment for Peter's mother in law and he chooses to take the time to touch her need as well. Again, Peter's not asking. His mother-in-law isn't asking. But Jesus knows that this need right in front of him is something that he needs to respond to as well. So he takes the time to meet the need of the insider. From the outcast to the outsider to the insider. His reach extends to those furthest from our acceptance and our comfort levels. The needs of the outcasts are valuable to him and they are recognized and met by Jesus in the leper. His reach extends to those who we may not feel don't deserve to be included by him. Those outside our faith as we imagine faith should be, how it should look, how, it, how we should be. And not only that, but he praises this faith of the outsider and he chooses to meet the need of the servant and he is healed. And then his reach comes in close. And even in his busyness and in all the things that are at his fingertips that he's being demanded of with people and crowds following him closely, he still has the time 
to take a moment for those closest to him. And he pauses and he responds to the needs of his family. He's not too busy, not unaware of the people that are closest around him. And Peter's mother-in-law is healed. So now I want to circle back around to where we started this morning. If our miracle story communicates anything to all of us today, is that we should be able to walk away and agree that God doesn't discriminate for whom and for what he chooses to respond to. All needs are valuable. And we can rest assured that we are included in his reach. Not only are we in his reach, but we also have this responsibility to begin practicing asking what we need and coming before him with things that we tangibly and quite honestly, maybe fearfully, don't want to pass over to him. This is prayer. This is acknowledging and stating our needs before God. So prayer, let's talk about that for just a moment. Prayer is this active relationship, this this partnering dance. It's a movement that flows between us and God. It's communicating a connection. Prayer is not um, merely just petitioning, God, I need you to do this, 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 and this. It's not just reciting things that we're not connected to. But prayer is when we take the time to look outside from ourselves in a whole new set of eyes where we're not comparing ourselves to one another or competing or judging or labeling or analyzing why or what if or what if not. Prayer is our access to God to hear and to listen and to see what is actually true. No pretending about what we really need from him. We don't often think about what we really need from him. Prayer is not bargaining with God, trying to get him on our side in order to get the exact outcome that we want. We cannot bend the arm of God to to suit our needs as we see fit. God, by the very definition, is always unfamiliar, mysterious, beyond us, beyond our thinking. But therefore, prayer should feel mysterious, unfamiliar, yet comforting, and beyond us, but within our reach. So how should we pray? And how do we know what to actually ask for what we need? So Jesus, he actually says, and he teaches, that we shouldn't just babble on our prayers like the pagans do. This is in scripture. Because he says that God really already knows what we need. Rather, it's an acknowledgement on our behalf to ask It's an ongoing conversation that has no beginning and no end. And it is a mindset of abiding with him and a connection day in and day out. Jesus says, don't just come and ask for what you want because we aren't in this for ourselves. But that prayer is communication that allows us to hear how we think, what we think, and what we truly hope for. We don't often know our own thoughts, our own needs, until we speak them and ask. So how do we know what we actually need? 
Have you ever had someone say to you, um, and they, they're kind of asking maybe a personal question about your life, and immediately you maybe change the subject, you hesitate to answer, and you don't want to really want to give them full honesty, that could be a need. Have you ever had someone say, well, how does that make you feel? And maybe the emotion begins to bubble up your neck, I get red and splotchy, you know, and your face or maybe your eyes kind of start to tingle, and you might say to them, I'm good, I'm fine. That could be a need. Have you ever lay awake at night with your mind so full, your thoughts racing, if all the things that kind of consume you and it keeps you up, there could be a need. And have you ever carried maybe hidden sadness or worked really hard to make it undetectable to all others, giving off the impression that you are good I'm fine, it's good, this could be a need. So over the past year, I've been doing some work, uh, some personal work, and I've been trying to practice learning to acknowledge what it is that I need and being brave enough to ask for it of the people that are around me. So in our space today, I'm inviting you to ask for what you need whether it be a renewal of your joy, maybe lifting you up from your heaviness, a restoration of hope, a mending of your broken heart, peace in the chaos, in the storm, healing, comfort, contentment, strength, wisdom, rest, connection. Have you ever just taken the time and gotten yourself quiet and really thought about what it is that you want to ask God for, what it is that you really need. And we have just a few more moments left together this morning. And so I'm inviting you and I'm wanting to give you guys the permission to just take this space and just take a moment to recognize what it comes to your mind when I'm asking you to think about what it is you need. Maybe there's something that you're not being honest with yourself about. Maybe you've been strong for so long and that you've convinced everybody around you that you are good, but there's something in you that says that's not true and that you need something bigger from God and you're a little bit nervous to ask. Would you take a moment to just close your eyes and even in this quiet space, to ask God to help you acknowledge what it is that you need so much from him today. Because he came to the outcast and the outsider and the insider because he wanted us to see, visibly see that he cares beyond our comprehension for every need that we carry with us. Grand, small, heavy, light, insignificant. He cares and he wants to meet us right where we are this morning. as you are asking God to bring that to your attention and to put that on your mind, 
my encouragement and my challenge to you would be to take that with you and to make that a part of your prayer. To not give up on what it is that you need and to start asking God for it. I'm gonna read you guys a poem as we close our time today. And as I read, I want you to keep that need on your mind. Whether you keep your eyes closed and you make this a matter of prayer, I want you to fight and be determined to ask God for what it is that you so need from him today. I want you to listen to the words of this poem by Hilary McBride, and it's a poem about prayer. Be close to me. This was the song the instrument of my being has played. Please, dear God, be close to me. Never really knowing if that was happening, how do I know? What does it mean? How would it feel? Be close to me. Let me feel you here. I asked, I asked so many times, tumbling from my lips as easy as breath. I begged you and so stuck on begging, I felt alone. All I knew was some idea of a space I was asking you to fill. Did you not want to be close to me? Did you not want to pour into the space in my mind I had made for you? And with resignation, my lips grew quiet. Space. The ache of the absence, my prayer dried up. Silence. I have always been close to you, you said. Or maybe was it me that said that? I'm confused. Whose voice was that? Have you been there here all along? Did I miss you all along? Was it you within me that cried out, asking for us to be together, to be in a kind of loving dance? I'm letting my mind wake up to the knowingness that the dance has been happening all along. Perhaps like an echo of something of yours woven into me, I cry from within myself, responding to myself, was it you who wooed me into silence? I thought that was my doubt, my grief, my awareness of my aloneness. Maybe it was you who shut me up, who stopped the incessant groveling for something I already had here. You are here. I only want to stay quiet forever to go to the places you have always been and discover them, trace the interior space of your dwelling to know the million miles of unexplored territory that you have invited me into with you, even in this moment. And like a mother growing a child, sharing a body, and like a son looking into the mirror, seeing the face of his father, like lovers embrace with one another, like breath in my lungs. You are so close to me. You have always been so close to me. And now I want you to ask God for what you need. Ask him. Close your eyes and ask him what it is that you need him to know about your life right now. God, I come before you with my brothers and sisters in this space, in this community of believers and friends and family and old faces and new faces. We're just such an eclectic group of people here and we all come from very different places with you. 
whether we're just beginning a journey or we're still in the process of questioning and doubting and wondering if you are real, we are inviting you into our story of need. We are very aware that we cannot do this life without you. We are very aware that we have insurmountable mountains before us that we cannot cross without you. But we acknowledge that you have promised to care about our needs. And so we boldly bring them before you today. And we're going to ask. We're going to ask you for exactly what we need. Because we cannot go another day without you by our side. We cannot rise to another uh, moment of opposition or battle without you holding us and carrying us through. We give those battles to you. We give those moments and those mountains to you, the things that seem to overtake us time and time and time again. We know that you see our needs and we will stop pretending that we can't ask you because we're going to start asking because we need you to show up and to be a part of our stories with you. We know that you're here. We can sense your presence in this place. I pray that we would go now, that we would go and we would ask day after day after day for you to show up and give us the trust and the faith of the soldier to know that it is done. And give us the boldness, risking reputation of the leper to just come and ask you. And give us the tenderness of Peter and his mother-in-law where they just unassumingly were there and you still came to meet them. We're asking you to be in our stories as we go and we start asking you for what we need. We thank you for these thoughts and prayers. We thank you for this time and this space with you. And together we pray these, these prayers in your name, God. Amen. So I want to thank you for being with us this morning here at The Grove. I recognize that time is the biggest gift that we can give each other. So it is a, a true privilege that you would use your time here um, I consider that such a joy to, to have this time with you. And um, mostly when I get a chance to speak, I'm just actually writing this all and speaking to myself and then you guys just get to like read it or hear it. So it's good. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm just going to read my journal and then you're going to be here. So that's what we just did. So that was awesome. Um, but thank you for being here. And we hope that you will continue to, um, to just be invested in your story with God whether it's just beginning or it's fully unfolded, um, there's so much more, right? And so I, I invite you to come back next week and to continue to um, be a part of this community. Keep our students in prayer this week. Um, two of the students that are going are of two of my own, so I care about them very much, and I just I want this time to be such a solid time for them where they're away from the distractions of 
teenage years life and all that comes with that. And they're someplace separated and, and they're getting um, loved on and, and just really poured into. And so be in prayer for our teenagers. Um, and, and as you go, um, don't forget our giving baskets in the front and in the back. That's just so important to us in this community and what we, what we do in this, in this community and for the kingdom. So thank you for that in advance. And thank you for being here today. And we um, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. So thank you so much.